Good morning and welcome to the Gathering Church. My name is John Mark Redwine. I'm the lead pastor. And it's so good to have you guys with us here today. You're here for the chili cook-off right after service. I hope everybody brought some Pepsi complete so that we're ready to really go after some chili today. I'm excited about it. Uh, well, I got a, one more thing I want to share with you before we get into the message. I know we got a lot we're throwing at you today and a lot of things to talk about, but before we get started, I wanted to talk for just a moment about our legacy offering. A few weeks ago, I announced that we would be having a, a, taking up a legacy offering on December 8th, and this is our year-end giving. We call it the legacy offering because we believe God has called us here to, uh, to, to, to create a, a lasting, eternal legacy in our city. And, uh, and so we've told you about this so far out because we don't believe in compulsive giving. We don't believe in uh, pressuring people to give all at once and, and all of that here at the Gathering Church. What, what we believe is that God calls us to give and to give generously and that it is a spiritual act of worship. And so we want to make sure we give you lots of time to plan, to prepare, and to pray about it. In fact, instead of me asking you to give to this, what I would just ask is that you would just be in prayer over the next four weeks and ask God how he would have you give to this initiative. Uh, we have four different areas, four different legacy lanes uh, that we'll be giving to with this offering. Our goal is to raise around $60,000 so that we can create a high impact in some specific areas and I want to highlight one today, and that, that is church planting. We believe in church planting at the gathering. If you didn't know, our church is only three and a half years old. We are still very young, still a church plant ourselves, but we have given a great deal of money already to church planting. Just last year, we gave $40,000. And so this year, our goal is to give more. We're shooting for 50. And here's why we believe this is so important. Because local churches are the hope of the world. In fact, we, we, statistics show us that brand new churches are the very best way at reaching communities uh, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. This year at our church, we've seen, more, we've seen uh, or in the life of our three years as a church, we've seen over 100 people give their lives to Jesus. 100 people. Three years. And in cities all across our country, the same thing is happening in churches similar to ours. Uh, the statistics say that 10,000 churches close their doors every year. 10,000 close their doors forever. And we are planting about 2,000 churches per year. We are losing ground. And so we have got to do better. And so the Association of Related Churches is our organization that starts churches all over the country. Just this year, we've already started 123 churches and every penny that we give to the ark doesn't go to administrative costs, doesn't go to pay people's salaries. Every single penny goes directly to these churches. And so we want to be able to give in a high-impact way because we believe that these local churches that are starting all over our country are creating a huge impact in each of the cities that they are a part of. We're passionate about it. We believe in it. We're excited about it. And so that is one of the areas that we will be giving it in a large-impact way uh, this year with our legacy offering. So that is coming up December 8th. Be praying about it. Next week I'll talk to you about another one of our legacy lanes, and we'll share each of those in the weeks leading up to it. Well, today we are in a series called Stress 
out. Stress out. If you missed it, last week Robbie opened up our series with an incredible message. And uh, if you didn't hear it, I'm telling you, you've got to. You need to go online. We've got it on our podcast on iTunes or Spotify, or we've got it on uh, our, our website. You can go and watch the video. It is an incredible message and an opening to this series. And uh, here's why we're doing this series, and we're doing it now. This is a stressful time of year between work and our kids in school and, and all of the, the projects and, and uh, activities and after school programs and sports and your sports team's just not doing as good as you thought they would this year. It's okay. And, and the holidays are coming, which means family is coming and it's the most stressful time of the year. That's my singing for the day. You're welcome for that. They didn't like it at first service either. I felt like you guys hated it even more. That's all right. Can't stop me. And so uh, we want to take a moment in this stressful time of year to talk about not just how to manage stress. I feel like in our society, we talk a lot about how we manage stress. That's the language we use. We're going to manage our stress. Here's some stress management techniques. You manage things that you have to live with. And I believe that's the language that we've chosen around stress because we've just accepted that we're always going to be stressed, that, that stressed out is the way that we're going to live and, and stress is coming and stress is going and stress is here. And so we're just going to try to manage it the best we can. Here's what I believe. I believe we serve a God who offers freedom from all things that hinder, from all things that get in the way, from all things that bring us down. And we don't want to just talk about how we're going to manage stress. In this series, we want to talk about how we're going to get stress out. That is our goal. And so uh, today, what I want to do, last week, Robbie spent a little bit of time talking about time and how our time leads us to stress and the way that we can manage that better. This week, I want to talk about the weight, the weight. Stress comes with a weight. And maybe you know what I'm talking about already. You've felt a weight. I think so much of our stress either comes from or comes with this weight that we carry. In Luke chapter 21, verse 34, he says, Be careful, or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing drunkenness and the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you suddenly like a trap. Last week, Robbie talked about suddenly, how you don't want to get caught in a suddenly. And here, Luke is talking about how this life weighs us down. It weighs us down. Did you know that almost every time in the Bible that the word anxiety is used, weight is coming with it? There is a weight that we have to carry or that we think we have to carry. This life adds weight to us. When I say that word out loud, I can almost feel it. I can, I can feel a weight just talking about it. I feel stressed out right now just talking about weight, the weight of this life. And that weight carries stress and anxiety. And if I'm honest, most of the things for me that cause me stress feel like a weight that I have to carry. Life brings weight in the form of hurt and loss and abuse and frustration and trauma, and grief, and powerlessness, and regret, and shame, and fear. And I think often weight comes from moments or expectations that we never saw coming. And it leaves us wondering, how did I get here? How did I, how did I end up feeling so 
heavy weight. Can you feel it? Can you feel the weight as we talk about it? Do you have something on your mind? Our message today is titled, Losing Weight. I want us to lose a little bit of weight together this morning. We're going to lose some weight. I want to show you that you don't have to carry that weight any longer. I want to show you that there is a different path. I believe there are two paths that we can take, and Jesus talks about this. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, he says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. Jesus makes this statement, and I think a lot of us, or, or it's been said over the years, that this is a, a statement of exclusivity, that, that Christianity is exclusive, and that we can't figure it out, we can't find our way, because it's this narrow gate. But I don't think that's what he was saying. I think he was saying there is a specific path. That it's not exclusive, it is specific. It's as though I were going to have you over to my house tonight. Everybody's invited. Come on over. I'm not going to just tell you the town that I live in. Come on down to Hendersonville. It's going to be a great time. If you did that, if I did that, you would be frustrated. You would be lost. You would be wondering what the right way is. No, Jesus offers an address, something specific, a pathway that is specific. And if we just wander down this wide path that we don't have to look for, that isn't specific, that, that most of us find ourselves on anyways, it leads to destruction. But if we can get on this narrow path, this one with a specific address, this, this one direction that is different from all the others, on the other side of that is life, and life to the full. I want to show you that path this morning, this wide path that we have is marked by a life of stress and anxiety and weight. And it's this wide path that so many of us fall into without ever really realizing how we got there in the first place. And so for a moment, let me talk about how we get the weight. I think first, it's so easy for us to just become overburdened. We become overburdened. We say yes to too many things. We allow too many things into our hearts. We, we let too many things affect us in ways that cause weight for us to carry. When I was uh, 17 or 18 years old, I went on my very first backpacking trip. Me and my freshman college buddies decided it was fall break. Let's go to the mountains. Let's go backpacking. We had never done this before, but it seemed like it was, we'd seen it in magazines and on television, and it seemed like a great thing to try. And so we didn't bother to research anything or, or get a book about it. Google wasn't as big of a deal back then, so there wasn't just all these answers at our fingertips. What we did was we got in a car and we drove to the mountains. We brought some backpacks, and we were thinking on the way there, and so I got a Coleman sleeping bag that was like this big and weighed a 1,000 pounds, and I shoved that down into the bottom of my backpack, and it didn't fit, so I got a big ratchet strap, one of the heavy-duty ones, and I ratcheted it down, you know, and shoved that down into the backpack, big metal ratchet strap. I got clothes for four days, you know, want to look fresh while I'm out there, four pairs of pants, four shirts, you know, everything, a couple jackets, who knows what the situation might call for, every three or four different jackets just in case. And then uh, I need, knew that we needed food and water for four days. And so obviously food, we're in college. Let's get a big box of Easy Mac, put a whole box in the cardboard box, in the backpack. Might need something other than that. How about a loaf of bread? Got a loaf of white bread, stuffed that into the backpack. And then uh, I thought, you know what I'm going to need now is some water. We need water out on the trail. Now, I probably will drink a lot of water with all the exercise we'll be doing. And so I went to the grocery store. I got 16 bottles of Aquafina, and I put all 16 bottles of Aquafina 
into my backpack. Now, if you've never been backpacking and you don't know, there is a better way. There is a way to have all the things that I have put in this pack and have them in a way that is not heavy. There's a better way to get your water. There is a better kind of food to bring. There are better kinds of clothes to bring, specific types of shelter to have. I did not have any of those. Instead, I had this pack that at final weigh-in was 75 pounds. 75 pounds. At this time in my life, I weighed 140 pounds. So if you've done the math, this is more than 50% of my body weight that I plan to carry for four days across the Smoky Mountains. It did not go well. I was overburdened. But I think what happens a lot in our lives is, is we just keep bringing these things that, that we think we need, like uh, that we, we, we've got to say yes to, we've got to, have, we've got to manage our money, we've got to have a job, we have p- a re- relationships with people, They're, they're people exist, we can't avoid them forever. We've got all these things that cause all this stress for us, but the problem is we don't know that there is a better way to, re- to, to, to have them. And so we just begin to overburden ourselves with all of these things like Aquafina water bottles, shoving them in our packs, and all of a sudden it just feels like we've got too much to carry, too much to carry. So we become overburdened, and then once that happens, we start to self-medicate. We need something to help take a little bit of the pain off, to distract us from the weight, to numb us a little bit, to help us feel a little bit better. And it begins to affect us physically and emotionally and spiritually, these burdens. And so we start to look for a quick fix. Instead of trying to get to the root of it and the source of it and get free of it, we think, what's going to help me feel better right now? Robbie talked about this a little bit last week, about sometimes we, we lean into YouTube for hours and hours, or maybe it's Netflix. You get home and you don't want to think about the rest of your life, and so it's just Netflix, and Netflix says, are you still watching? And you're like, quit judging me, Netflix. I am still watching. Obviously, yes, and you just keep going, and you're exhausted, and you're tired, but it's 2 a.m., and you're still watching Netflix because you don't want to go to bed because when you go to bed, it means you're going to wake up, and it's going to be tomorrow, and you're going to have to deal with it all over again, and so we starve ourselves of rest, or, or we self-medicate with things even, even more unhealthy for us. We start to look at, at alcohol and and drugs. Maybe, maybe we joke around and say, hey, after a day like today, I deserve a glass of wine. And then it becomes two. And then it becomes three. And then it's not habit anymore. It's addiction. Maybe it's sex or pornography. Short ways to make us feel better for a moment that lead to a heavier weight on the other side. And we self-medicate and we self-medicate and the weight gets heavier and we just keep trying to numb it. And we just keep trying to distract ourselves. And it just keeps, it keeps growing. And at this point, we just attempt to normalize. Let's just normalize it. This is normal. This is how everybody lives. This is what everyone deals with. This, 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 this isn't just me. Everybody's feeling this way. It's, I see it on TV. I see it in movies. I, I've read it in books. This is just life. This is how life is. Everyone lives like this. Miserable. In debt out of control, overwhelmed by grief, overwhelmed by trauma, broken by relationships, caught up in addiction. This is how everybody lives. This is normal. We just normalize it. We convince ourselves that, you know, this is just the way it is. Uh, When I bought my house, we bought a house this summer, and when we bought it, we moved in, and the floors were disgusting. 
And they weren't just dirty. They were dirty. We, your feet would turn black if you walked barefoot across them. But it wasn't just this surface dirt. You see, there were wood floors, and what had happened was over decades, the previous owners had waxed over dirt and animal hairs. And so there was all these dog hairs mixed into the floors that were permanent. No matter how much we swept, no matter how much we mopped or vacuumed, wouldn't come up. It was horrible. I'm a little bit OCD. I like things neat and in order and clean, and it, and it was freaking me out every time. I was avoiding going downstairs. I didn't want to see it. And I begin to wonder, I wonder how long it took these previous owners to just not see it anymore. Because isn't that what happens? When you have like a dirty place in your house, if you don't clean it for long enough, we just start to normalize it. We just start to think, this is, this is a lie, it's fine. This is, I don't even see it, I don't even know. Do you have a couch in your house that is disgusting and should have gone to the dump? You're, don't even take it to goodwill, they don't want it. You know, Should have gone to the dump years ago. It's in your basement still and you sit on it when you're hiding from your family and you're down there you know, and you're like, this is fine, I don't even notice it anymore. I don't even notice it anymore. And I wonder how, there's 20 years that these previous owners were in this house. And I know that at some point that floor was clean, but then it just started to pile on. And we just said, this is normal. This is, if they watch this, this video feed, they're going to feel pretty embarrassed. I'm sorry. It was gross. I got it refinished. <laughs> and so it was bad. And so I wonder how long it took to normalize it. And I think in our own lives, we get all this filth that builds up, all this hurt that builds up all this weight that builds up, and we just tell ourselves, this is just the way it is. I don't even notice it anymore. And once we normalize it, we feel stuck. We don't see a way out. We don't think there is another way. We don't believe there is another path. What happens is the weight has been pressing on us so heavy, we've self-medicated so much, and we normalize so much, we just try to keep on living, but then occasionally we have these moments of clarity. I can't live this way. I don't want to live this way, but I don't know another way. And we feel so stuck and isolated and hopeless. This morning, I need to tell you that there is another way. If you feel stuck, if you feel hopeless, if you feel, if you know that I'm talking about you when you say normalized it, when we talk about self-medicating, and you just think this is, this is the way everybody lives. This is normal. Maybe it is normal, but it's not all there is. There is another way. There is another path. There is another road that you can walk. You can be free of this. You don't have to carry this weight. You don't have to bear it any longer. You don't have to feel burdened by it. You don't have to feel broken by it. You don't have to feel isolated by it. You can be free of it. There's another way. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses one and two, he says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight. I've, I've taught this passage and read this passage many times. And it says, let us throw off the weight or everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles so that we can run the race. And, and it talks about this. I always focus on the sin, how if we want to stay focused on Jesus, it's saying, let's get rid of the sin in our lives. But I think it's interesting that the writer of Hebrews, before he gets into the sin, he talks about the weight. Because oftentimes, I believe it is the weight, it is the weight that leads us into the sin. It's time to strip off the weight. It's time to let it go. It's time to release it and stop trying to carry it. That slows us down and the sin that so easily trips us up and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. And we do this 
By keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Another version says the author and perfecter of our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. We shed this weight by keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus. I'm telling you, he is the way to freedom from your stress. There is freedom available to you. He bought it at the cross. There is a place we can go and release these burdens. We don't have to carry them anymore. And so let me show you just a few different steps that we can take to learn how to start to release this weight that we are carrying and trust him to carry it for us. First, you've got to believe it's okay to not be okay. Let me release somebody in here this morning. I think a lot of times the stress that we have and the weight that we carry is a product of us trying to pretend like everything's all right. That we're, we're not okay. And then we, we have to present that we're okay because people wouldn't accept us if we're not okay. We wouldn't be welcome if we're not okay. People wouldn't understand if they knew we weren't okay. Right now, people think we're so good and, and they, like, they like the image that we've presented and we don't, want to, we don't want to take that away from them. And so we spend all this time trying to present a version of ourselves that is not who we are. We start to present a version of ourselves that's okay, that's got it together, that's doing well, that's doing fine. But the reality is inside we know it's not the truth. And so all this does is add more weight. I need you to hear me tell you that here, now, in this place, in this church, it's okay to not be okay. It's okay. It's okay to admit it. It's okay to say I'm not okay. It's okay to feel like you're not okay. It's okay to tell somebody that you're not okay. And it's okay to admit to God that you're not. So I think so often we don't even go to God with our fears and with our stresses and anxieties and our weight because we, we want him to love us and, and we want him to accept us and, and we, want, we want to get to heaven and we want to make sure everything's good and so we can't go to God with all this stuff. We'll try to hide it. Instead, but nothing is hidden from his sight. And we need, to, we need to believe that he is a father who is comfortable with us exactly as we are, that loves us and accepts us exactly as we are, that we can go to and say, Father, I am not okay. In Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 12, 9, he says, my grace is sufficient for you and my power is made perfect in your weakness. I think we just blow that verse off and you don't understand the power of it sometimes. I don't understand the power of it sometimes. God is saying, listen to me. You don't need to have the strength to do it on your own. You don't have to pull yourself up from your bootstraps anymore. You don't have to act like you can do this. You don't have to say, no, I'm a Christian and so I can do this. I've got the strength for this. That's not what God says. God says, my power is made perfect in your weakness. When you are weak, I am strong. You see, God gets the glory when we admit that we're not okay, that we're weak, that we can't go forward on our own. That's when God gets the glory because he gets to step in and say, my grace is sufficient for you. You don't have to do this on your own anymore, John Mark. Let me show you what my power can do. It's okay to not be Okay, and we try, we try to help uh, to model that here as, as leaders. Last week, Robbie uh, may have shown you, I don't know if he showed you the picture or not, because I listened to the podcast, but Robbie talked about how, how anxiety had overwhelmed him and had led him to a physical place of unhealth. And 
I mean, I, I know that I've shared from the stage many times my battles with depression and anxiety. And I'm telling you that as we talk about releasing the weight, that this isn't, this is, I'm in this with you. That, I, that this is something that I'm trying to, that I'm learning. And just yesterday, my family and I were on our way home from vacation in Florida. And it was an 11-hour drive. And my daughter, Dagny, is uh, 19 months old, and she's got type 1 diabetes. She was diagnosed three months ago. And uh, on our trip, she became uh, ill. She got something called diabetic ketoacidosis, which is very dangerous, and uh, it, it makes them very sick. And um, it basically means that your blood sugars were too high for too long, and your body produces a lot of acid to try and flush it out. And the acid damages your organs and can cause your body to shut down permanently. And so we're on the road trying to get home to where her doctors are to get to the hospital. And given her injections, she normally gets about four injections a day. She got 11 yesterday. And given her medication as we're driving rails, turning around and giving her shots in her seat and monitoring her blood sugars and and checking her ketones and just trying to, trying to get home. And, uh, and we thought we were out of the woods. We got home last night. We thought we were out of the woods. And I'm waiting right now for a phone call. As soon as this, we're done here, I'm going to the hospital. And I feel the weight. And the whole drive home, I was just so angry and stressed out and worried about my little girl. And I didn't... I need you to know, I need you to hear me, your pastor tell you that it's okay to not be okay. That it's okay, that it's okay to be upset. It's okay to feel weight. It's okay to admit you carrying weight. It's okay to say I've got anxiety. It's okay to say I'm self-medicating. It's okay to say I need a way out. There's a place where it's okay to be okay. And so the second point is, and I'll come back to that story. I'll give you a better ending than that. But the second point is this, get completely, we've got to get, if we're going to, if we're going to admit that we're not okay, first we have to get completely honest. We have to get completely honest. And that starts by being completely honest with ourselves. If we've been self-medicating and normalizing and going through the motions and, and we just look around and we know that they're dealing with it too and they're dealing with it too, we just, we, we, we honest, honestly, I think a lot of times we are the, the biggest liars to ourselves than anybody else. Because we fully believe that we're all right and that we've got it under control and that things are okay and that this is normal and that this is a weight that we'll just keep carrying. But that is not the way we were made to live. You were not made to live with the weight that you are carrying right now. It's time to get honest with yourself and say, I am not okay. Those three words will release you. I think so much of our stress's power comes from keeping it in darkness. We keep it to ourselves, we keep it alone, we bury it, we ignore it, and we just, we give it power by putting it in a place where it has some. It's time to get honest with ourselves. In Psalm, here's a prayer you can pray. Psalm 139, it says, search me, O God, and know my heart, and test me, and know my anxious thoughts, and see if there is any way offensive in me, and lead me in your way everlasting. I pray this prayer often. I pray this prayer when I don't know what to pray. When I, I, have, a, I have a bunch of systems I pray in prayers, which I shared in a series last year, if you're interested, but, but we, um, or in August this year. Uh, it feels like it was a year ago. Anyways, um, I get to this part where I get to a confession part of prayer, and this is always how I started. God, search me and know my heart. 
Find every, every anxious thought, every sinful desire, and expose it to me, Lord, that I might be free from it. Ask God, and he will open your eyes to what you've been suppressing and hiding and normalizing. And then, once you've learned to be honest with yourself, it's time to get honest with others. We've got to get honest with others. I know this is in our application every single week at the gathering. I know that. And it's, there's a reason for it. It's because we believe that if you want to move forward, if you want to find freedom, it happens in community. Here on Sunday morning, you can receive inspiration to turn your life around. You can receive a revelation that can lead to life change. But it is in groups, in life groups, in community where transformation takes place. If you want to be transformed, it happens face to face. It happens in a room with somebody else who says, I've got you. I'm in this with you. Let's go through it together. Community, getting honest with somebody. In Galatians 6.2, it says, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. We've got to help each other bear the load carry the weight together. We talk about this so much, and, and I've heard people say, people have said to me, you know, I tried going to life group, and, and it just wasn't for me. I didn't connect. I didn't feel, I, did, I, I didn't, didn't get the community you guys are talking about, so I'm not going to try that again. And here's always my answer, is that if you want to experience community, you're going to have to be community. If you want to, you get out of community what you put into it. And so if you want to start to experience this life change, it's time to go into life group and then open yourself up in a new way. Get vulnerable and then pursue relationship. Go to somebody else and say, hey, uh, you shared something that I resonate with and, and I'm in a similar, I'm, I'm in it now, you were there then and I'm here now, can you help me? Can we, form, can we be friends? Can you help me through this? Can I text you? Can I call you? And get a relationship, ask questions, get to know somebody and then respond and follow up. Start to build community. It is something we do actively that requires effort and requires work and it offers us freedom in return. We get somebody to link arms with us and start to help carry these burdens with us. You know, I, I love, uh, I heard this illustration one time about draft horses. I'm not a horse person or an animal. I, I don't, I'm not a farmer by any means. I don't really know a lot about horses. Honestly, horses freak me out a little bit. I don't, they're so big and their eyes are on different sides of the head. I never know which eye to look at when I'm talking to them. And then, I, you know, they never respond when I'm talking to them. And so I'm not a big horse guy, but I do love to see from a safe distance the draft horses. I like to go to the Beltmore and they've got these big draft horses. These things are huge. They're like Clyde's and Belgians and Percherons, those horses that are made to carry weights. And on their own, these horses can pull 8,000 pounds. Isn't that amazing? 8,000 pounds. But I think what's more amazing is what happens when you yoke them together. See, two draft horses yoked together. That means joined together, put together, pulling a load together. It doesn't just double their ability to tow, it triples it. Two can tow 24,000 pounds. And then once they've been together a little while, trained together, gotten to know each other, worked together, it increases exponentially. They can tow 32,000 pounds after just a few weeks of training. Isn't that amazing? They share the load, and their ability to carry the load increases exponentially. See, I just think a lot of times the truths of God are reflected in nature. And here's, here's another truth for us, is that when we get in community and we get completely honest with somebody else, our ability to carry the load increases exponentially. It suddenly feels lighter when you drag it out of darkness and put it in the light. When you tell somebody 
This is where I'm at. This is, it just feels lighter. It changes things. It's different. And once we've been honest and we've, we've let somebody into the journey, now it's just time to place dependence on God. And here's where I'm at. He's the gate. He's the path. He's the one who carries the weight. He's the one who can free you, who releases you. Uh, yesterday I'm driving home and I'm just, I'm planning this message. I'm like, I gotta go talk a message about stress. I'm just as stressed as I've ever, my face hurts. I'm so stressed out, you know, in this drive home. Thinking about my little girl. We got home last night and I just spent some time in prayer. I just, some trash falling out of my pocket. It's a mint wrapper. I just said, God, this is, this is your daughter. You care about her as much as I do. You've got this. You're with me. I'm going to take my burdens and I'm just going to release them to you. I'm going to give this weight over to you. It doesn't mean I'm not worried about my daughter. I'm going to hightail it out of here in about 10 minutes. But it does mean that I don't feel the weight. I promise you, I woke up this morning, I felt lighter. I was vigilant. I'm watching, I'm being careful for her. But I don't feel the burden of it. I don't feel stressed. We, need, we can learn to be dependent on God. And what happens is he'll take that weight. He'll take that burden from you. Start carrying it himself. That backpacking trip that I went on, I had this 75 pound pack and it's more than half my body weight. And I put it on and I started hiking. We were in the Smokies. It's steep out there. And I started hiking up this trail and we had been hiking almost all day. We'd gone about a half a mile. <laughs> I couldn't take one more step. I was just done. I was toast. I, my whole body was drenched in sweat and my legs hurt and I was getting all wobbly and shaky. My shoulders felt like they, they had fallen off a long time ago. And I'm just trying my best. And I had this buddy who was backpacking with me named Jason. And Jason was a football player for our high school, star football player, lineman, huge guy. And Jason comes over and he says, and Jason, you gotta know, he packed for this whole trip one Nalgene bottle and a blanket, and that's what's in his backpack. It's almost nothing in there. Jason walks over and he said, you all right, man? And I said, no, I'm not all right. I can't carry on like this. I can't keep going, I'm done. I gotta stop, I gotta turn around, I can't make it. And Jason said, can I carry that for you? Why don't you just switch with me? So he took his 10 pound backpack and he put it on my back and he took my 75 pound backpack he put it on his shoulders and he hiked 12 miles with it that day. And I need you to know that th that's just the perfect picture of your father. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He's offering it to you this morning. He's standing there. He's right next to you. If you feel like the weight is too much and you can't keep going, you can't move on this way, you can't keep medicating, you can't keep normalizing, it's too heavy, this life is too much, all these all this responsibilities are weighing in on you, the grief is weighing in on you, the trauma is weighing in on you, the people are weighing in on you. He just says, come and lay it at my feet. Give it to me, this is why I went to the cross. 
I made a way for you to be burdened, to be burdened no more, to release it to him and say, I would rather carry what you have for me, Father. I don't want to carry this on my own anymore. And he says, I'm so glad you're here. Come to me, all you who are weary, for I will give you rest. He wants to give your soul rest this morning, not just the kind of rest that we want at the end of a hard day. He wants to give you the kind of rest that you need at the end of a hard year or at the end of a hard season or at the end of a hard life. He says, I will give your soul rest. Come and let me carry your burden for you. I was uh, um, into planning this church by just a few months and and I was I, I didn't know, I, Robbie told you this last week, we did not know what we were doing. We still don't really. And I had done all this work in seminary and in training on, on how to, I learned how to be a good strategist and a good manager and, and a good theologian. I had never learned how to be a pastor. So being a pastor is something different. It's not, it's, 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 not about, it's not about all the strategy and the leadership. It's about caring for people's souls. And I was so ill-prepared for that. And in our first year of ministry, so many, I always thought that life was hard, but I, I didn't know it was hard for everybody. I think we get this way. We think, yeah, you know what? My, my day has been really bad. But we forget that everyone around us probably also had a bad day. And in that first year, I had so many people come into my office who were carrying more weight than I knew people could carry. And they came in there and they were burdened, looking for rest. And what I was doing was trying to take that from them and onto me. I was saying, you just give me that. You let me carry it for you. I'm your pastor. This is my job. Let me carry this weight for you. And I had, I had all this that I was carrying and I just felt crushed by it. I couldn't do it anymore. I was having a meeting with Fred Baker. He's the pastor of Fellowship Asheville. And he's one of my close friends and mentors. And I was telling Fred, I can't do it anymore, Fred. I'm done. I don't know why you've been doing this for 30 years. You must be so tired. I can't carry it anymore. I feel like my job is people come into my office every, every week and they have all these burdens and they just, and my job is to carry them for them. And I can't, I can't do it anymore. I'm done, I'm full. I've got no more room. Fred laughed at me and I said, that's rude. I'm, I'm hurting. And he said, John Martin, you have no idea what your job is. And I said, yeah, that's what I've been trying to tell you. He said, your job is not to carry people's burdens for them. You're a pastor, you're a shepherd. You're not the water, you lead them to it. You don't carry the burdens. Your job is to show people the only one who can. The only place they can lay them where they'd be given something better in exchange. And since that day, I've felt so much freedom, so much weight removed, so much lightness. I plan to keep on doing this. That's the good news or the bad news. It depends on how you look at it. And that's what I want to do for you this morning is just point you to the only one who can. What I want, the last thing, and then we're done. What I want you to do, close your eyes for a minute. And picture the cross. Just imagine the scene. You got the soldiers milling around and, they're, and they've nailed Jesus there and they're casting lots for things and, and you've got the people who are there to watch and there's Jesus' disciple John and his mother and some of the women with her and, and they're standing at the foot of the cross and, and then there's, there's the thieves on either side, one who is entering through the narrow gate, one who is well on the broad path and 
I want you to picture this scene and I want you to imagine where you are on it. Where are you in this picture? Where are you? Maybe you see yourself as one of the thieves. You're, you're so racked with guilt and shame that you just think I'm, I'm obviously being punished for my sins. Or maybe you, you think yourself, you say, I want to be at the feet of Jesus. That's where I'm, I am. I'm, I'm Mary Magdalene. I'm John the Apostle. I'm there. I'm, at it. I'm with him. Or maybe you think, I'm, I'm the soldier that put him there. I want to tell you this morning, that Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. Christ lives with me. And the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You are not at the foot of the cross or beside it or next to it. You are on the cross with Jesus. He, he, he took all of your burdens, your sin, your weight, your stress, your anxiety, your heaviness. He took you to the cross with him so that you could die with him so that in death you could be resurrected into new life, a new life that is free, a new life that is full, a new life that has satisfaction and peace and joy where you don't have to carry these burdens and bear them and wear them on your own anymore. You get to have freedom now because he's paid the price for your freedom. It's time to depend on him, to bring him your burdens, to lay this weight off your shoulders at his feet. And I know it's hard. What do I do? How do I do it, pastor? I want to do it. I want to give my burdens. <laughs> He's told us how over and over. He says, worship me. Turn your eyes upwards towards him instead of down at your work or, or at the things you've got or, or the problems you have instead of behind you at your past. Keep them focused on him. Wake up every morning in worship. Before you go to bed at night, worship. Get in, in, in a, a habit of praying to him out loud, not just a whispered, silent prayer in your head for five minutes while the radio's in a commercial break. Get up in the morning and bring your prayers before him. Bring your burdens before him. Bring your cries before him and worship him and pray to him and study his word. Open it up and see what goodness lies inside of it and then go to life group and get in community and bring people in on your struggle. Bring them in on your worry. Bring them in on your anxiety. Bring them in on your pain and let them help you focus all of your attention on him and give it to him and serve the church and lead others to freedom and do it all over again and just keep doing it and you'll depend on him and you'll experience what it feels like to have the weight lifted. You can be free of it. You can be free of it. You can be free of it. If you're in here this morning and you've never made the decision to enter into a relationship with Jesus, I need you to know you don't have to do any work to get there. You don't have to get your life right. You don't have to be holy. He makes you holy. You don't have to be righteous. He makes you righteous. You don't have to check off a list of things to do. He is the, he is the first step. He says you can know him personally just as you are, even when you're not okay, even when you're broken, even when you haven't figured anything out yet, you can know him. And once you know him, he offers you a pathway to a better life and an eternity of freedom with him. And so if you're in here this morning and you've never made that decision, here's your moment, here's your chance, here's your opportunity. Let's pray together, every head bowed, every eye closed. Say this prayer with me and enter into 
the narrow gate. Jesus, thank you for the cross. Thank you for the freedom that you've offered me and bought me and paid for for me. Forgive me of my sins. And forgive me for every mistake along the way. I lay all of it at your feet. Every burden, every weight that I carry, I, I give it to you. Forgive me. I believe in you. I believe in your cross. I believe in the resurrection. And I want the life that you came back to give me. And so I am yours. Every moment I have from here on, I give to you. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.